1: I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. Anytime you find yourself struggling with the complete sovereignty and overarching rule of God in our lives, Judges chapter 7 provides a great moment of clarity. And that's exactly where we're at next here on Way of Grace. Grace Bible Church in Hayward. This is Way of Grace with our teacher and pastor, Jesse Gastand. Welcome to our program. Today we are back in Judges chapter 7. There all week. Today's message is simply entitled Your Victory in the Enemy's Mouth. It's here that God actually uses Gideon's enemies to encourage Gideon for the battle that lay ahead against them. For the details, here's Pastor Jesse once again, and today's broadcast. Way of grace.
2: Notice what the text says. And the Midianites and the Amalekites, all of the children of Israel, lay like a, in the valley like grasshoppers. They were an optic intentional to scare the people of God. Y'all see it? Yeah. They were an optic intentional to. Sc- Listen, ladies and gentlemen, they popped up their tents, yeah. they had their barbecue pits out there. They were cooking. They were there for a long time. What was going on? In their mind, they thought they were invincible. That's how delusional these antichrist systems are. That's how delusional they are. You hear them talking as if they will bring their will to pass. Then they just start acting on it like they won't get any resistance from God. Am I making some sense? And so uh, the servants of the Lord... Draw near because they are going to be the ones that go back and give good news. See, God is still allowing all the rest of the men to be comfortably in distance. And here's another thing you can know about warfare. Warfare up close is way different than warfare from way on the top of the hill. If you've never been up close in warfare, you don't know what it's like. And this is why you pray for men and women that are engaged in levels of ministry that put them near the enemy. Because if you're used to being way back here on the mountaintop where you're looking at it with binoculars, you are not sensing or feeling the magnitude of the spiritual battle that they're going through. And they need you up there praying for them because they're going through things that most likely you and I couldn't actually handle. Or else we'd be there and they'd be up here. I am making some sense, am I? Right? It's no accident that you and I are not closer and more engaged in the warfare. It's no accident. A lot of it are the choices we're making. We're making choices not to fight certain battles. And God's allowing us to make those choices. And there are others who are going straight into the battle. It's just really true. And so we ought not to neglect them. And we ought not to actually misinterpret what we think we are because we're not. We're the folks over by the stuff. Hoping they win so we can enjoy the spoils. Because our country is like that. This 21st century American culture has lived on the spoils of war and battles and conflicts that we have still yet to understand how it is that we have arrived at our freedoms. And we're sitting here completely ignorant of the sacrifices that were made to bring this about. Am I making some sense? And then we have the audacity to want to end fight and argue and debate and continue to subdivide. Like somehow we actually know what the depth and breadth of the cost was. Well, that's that the enemy wants that to happen, too. He loves to keep us divided. That's what he knows that. And so notice what go what what it goes on to say. This is really interesting. Notice now verse 13. And when Gideon was come. Behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows. Do you see it? Now notice that what God did was hold this man up from this story he had until sovereignly Gideon was close enough to hear it. Is God sovereign? Does he control all the affairs of the universe down to all of the microscopic organisms? Does he not Hold everything together by the word of his power. Can a man say anything or not say anything if God does not permit him to do it? You can't move to the left. You can't move to the right. You can't say no. You can't say yes unless God supervises it. And God is exquisite in his timing, is he not? He'll put a man to sleep and hold him off until he gets his servant close enough, immediately wake him up. So that his servant can get the intelligence that his servant needs to go back to the people of God. Now I'm talking about the book of Esther. Am I not? The king agitated, agitated until he read the Chronicles and realized what Mordecai had done. You see how God works. Am I making sense? God's able to make everything work together. This is why we don't put limits on God. Now, notice what he says. He told the dream unto his fellow and said, behold, I dreamed a dream. I wonder where Martin Luther King got that from there. (laughs) And lo, a cake of barley tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. I'm not going to get into unpacking that parable fully yet. I'll do that more fully next week. I'm going to tap into it a little bit, but what I want you to capture is that the man had a vivid dream, and it was explicitly clear. And notice what the text goes on to say after that over in verse 14. And his fellow answered and said, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Do you see that? Gideon, your victory is in your enemy's mouth. Your victory. Is in your enemy's mouth. So many accounts can render that if you're sensitive to the word of God. Jesus headed to the cross and the false high priest boasting against the true high priest is moved by the spirit of God in John's gospel chapter 11 verses 49 through 52 because they're struggling whether they should let Jesus go. And Caiaphas says, do you not know that one man must be offered For all the people as an exchange so that God's people can be delivered and set free, not only here in Israel, but everywhere God's people are will be gathered back in because of that one man. Did y'all hear that? That was the enemy speaking God's word about what they were going to do to Christ and how by his death God would accomplish his victory. You can find that in so many cases, ladies and gentlemen, so many cases like that. I'm just saying. So now going forward, for some of you who actually take me serious, ask God to open your ears so you can hear God's word in your enemy's mouth. All right. So this is really important as a practical lesson. I got a few more minutes and we'll drill down and call it a wrap. Is this making sense to you guys so far? Right. Wouldn't it benefit you to be able to hear God talking to you through your enemy? Yes. That way you won't pick up carnal weapons to go to war. That way you will know that God went before you. That way you will know you are on your assignment. Am I making some sense? Right. Because God is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. He can go before you. And, and if you think about it, you really are asking that quite frequently. You're not saying it in like real detailed fashion, but you're saying it, aren't you? Lord, I need you to, I need you to go before me. I need you to work this out. Well, you're looking for signs when you get there, aren't you? That God has manipulated, that he has modified, that he has organized and set it up in a way that, Lord, I see you now. I see you, Lord. And it makes it easy for you to do your job, execute your assignment. And we are all called to it. I can, I can break this down on so many levels, uh, but I hope you get it by way of application. And notice what the text says. It says in verse uh, 14, and his fellow having said that, said that Gideon, would, uh, God would deliver the Midianites into his hand. Verse 15, and it was so that when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, that's one. And the interpretation thereof, that's two. What did he do? He worshiped God. Powerful. So you see what's going on? Gideon is down in the valley. He's closer to the enemy than he has ever been. Gideon and only one other man, Pura. And Pura now is a prophecy of Gideon's faith being expanded. Remember, pure means to increase, to multiply, and be fruitful. Is Gideon's faith now buoyed up? Is he not absolutely clear that what God said is true? Now, watch this. Here is where Gideon stops asking for signs and now starts echoing what God had said from the beginning. Gideon, I'm going to deliver them into your hands over and over and over. Remember what Gideon was saying? Now, Lord, I know you said it. I, I know you said it, but work with me now. okay? I think I heard you, but what you said still hasn't landed on the tarmac of my heart. To station itself in a place where I can anchor my soul in your part. Can you help a brother? And God does it every time. Until one day you own what God said the way God said it because now you really actually believe it. God is good, God is patient. God is long-suffering. He is not stingy. He will help you capture what is necessary to strengthen your faith. But do you understand? i give you another application and then we'll deal with the last part. Listen, Gideon is engaging God. He's engaging God. He's not running off at the mouth to other people. I can take you all the way back. I can take you all the way back and show you that he would not budge at remotely telling them what he is struggling through. He took his struggles to God. That's what leaders do. You don't just put all your stuff out there to the people. People are already shaky. Man, if you guys saw what was in my head and in my heart, wouldn't nobody be in this room? <laughs> now, now, we might have an Arizona, I call the folks out there the Arizona church. That's their family. That's our family. Don't don't get me wrong. And they like the sunshine. And sometimes I want to be out there in the sunshine. But y'all the Arizona church. Y'all can laugh. Understand we love you. uh, We are the California church because we like air (laughs) conditioning. We're the air conditioned saints. They've got the organic heat of the sun and all of the nutritional benefits that come with being out there. It's all good. But here's the point here that's absolutely critical, that you and I must be able to get to a place of trusting God so that we can say what God says because we believe what God says. That's where Gideon is. That's why the battle is getting ready to start now, because Gideon has drawn near to his enemy and he has discovered that God has already gone before him to actually get into the enemy's head. If this is not military strategy, I don't know what it is. God has spoken once, yea, twice, and man does not perceive it. In visions and in dreams of the night does God speak to a man to hold his soul back from hell and to keep his soul from the pit of destruction. Haven't I taught y'all that? Isn't that what Job says? Can God get to a man's conscience? Can he get inside his cranium? Can he take that man's preoccupation with all kind of foolishness and use it? Use it to testify to that man of the sovereignty of God? Can God soften a man's heart, a woman's heart, a people's heart? So by the time you get there, you're taking that soft heart and turning it into hamburger? Say, Pastor, what's the metaphor for? I don't know. I'm just using the metaphor, isn't it? Hamburger. Pliable useful. (laughs) You in control. The outcome is the way you want it to be. And you know that the Lord is in it, don't you? Have you ever had a battle with someone and their hearts are hard and everything you did made it worse? Everything you did made it worse. And you came to realize I was talking too much. I'm almost done. So you weren't listening To them, because you weren't listening to God. And therefore, you couldn't even hear yourself. So when you went after that assignment, you were helpless and they were too. Because they need God just like you do. Because if you're going to win a battle, and it's not always about winning a battle, but if you're going to win the battle, you don't get to steal God's glory. This is why he sent everybody home but 300. Because he said, they will steal my glory. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The only thing you need to do by application with our tax is to know that your job is to ask the Lord, is this my assignment? Is this thing that's before me my assignment? Because if it's not your assignment, it's going to be clear. God's not going to be in it. And it's going to go all kind of ways bad because you're assuming it's your assignment. And this is why we want to learn from Gideon. Gideon didn't say, oh, the angel alone? law, okay, you're here because I got an assignment. I knew, I knew I got, no. The angel told him that God had an assignment for him. And Gideon kept testing to make sure did God get the right person, right? Because that's the nature of godly fear. Godly fear draws you closer to God as it did with Jesus. And it was heard in that he feared. Jesus is being drawn closer to the enemy. The enemy started with him profoundly and profusely in the garden of Gethsemane. But we get back up to the night in which in the midst of this war, we didn't only have defectors because we do have them. That's what many of those guys represented defectors, right? But we also have turncoats, And that is Judas Iscariot turned to attack the master. How about eloquent article here about that going on in war and going on in the church. When there's a war, people run. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63 to 68, will you leave also? And then he said, but there's one among you that's a devil. In other words, war will turn men who are not walking in the intelligence of the gospel to be an adversary to God. This is why he got rid of everybody but 300 men. Are you hearing me? Not one of those 300 men were running. Not one of those 300 men were defecting. Now, next week, when we get into the impact of the war, you're going to see confusion in the enemy's camp all over the place. And I'm going to explain that confusion in contemporary terms where we are today, because that's a judgment from God. But you see what God is doing? God is dead set on winning this battle, isn't he? That's why in the same way he removed all those men, less 300, he removed everybody from Jesus but 11. And then ultimately he removed them because he had to tread the winepress of God's wrath all by himself. And of the people, there was none with him. He alone bore our sin in his body on the tree because either we would have ran or we would have done like Judas turned on him. Am I making some sense, children of God? Very clear what God is doing with Gideon. It's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to fight a good warfare by the humility of recognizing our limitations recognizing our weaknesses and learning how to radically depend upon you to show up every step of the way. Thank you for allowing us to go into the valley and go to the mountaintop, get a little air and then go back down into the valley and go to the mountaintop, get a little air and then go back down into the valley because on the mountaintop it's comfortable. But in the valley is where I grow. And this is where we are with our account. Now, notice what our last point says so I can close it out. Gideon was made to what? Worship. Worship. So many things here. I'm going to curtail it for the principal's sake. Worship. Verse 15 tells us he heard and he worshiped and he returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord had delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Ladies and gentlemen, is this not the triumph of the gospel? Is not this the victory that's in Jesus? For what Gideon did not do was go back to them and talk about what he did to win the battle. All he said was that God spoke through our enemies and told us that they are already running. They are already taking off. They are already headed for the hill. They've already quit. They've already gotten off their heart. They're running everywhere. We are already in the battle winning, not because of the works that we have done. But because God took a grain of seed and sowed it into the ground and it died and brought forth much fruit. And then God scooped up that wheat and purged it of the chaff and ground it together into a bowl of meal. And then God put the Holy Ghost in it, watered it so that it became one whole complete loaf. And God took a loaf of bread in the person of Christ and defeated our foes, who is the bread of life and the strength of God's people. Right. This is what we call the power of the gospel. It's able to feed our souls and vanquish our enemies at the same time. Somebody ought to be rejoicing. It was a loaf of bread that won the war. It was a loaf of bread that won the war. This is why I tell you, you need to be thinking it through. Think it through. Gideon, think it through. He's treading out the wheat. He's treading it out. And Christ is already there. The son of the living God. He's the bread of life. And God's already going to win the victory through Christ. We just got to learn how to fight a good warfare. And it's going to come out of the enemy's mouth. Am I making some sense, child of God? See, it came back on Gideon. Did he come back on Gideon? Came back. Here he is in the wine press where Christ is crushed as the grapes of wrath in behalf of our sin. here he is in the wine press, shredding out the corn, separating the wheat from the chaff as Christ bore our sins. Now you see how God takes us in our lowliness and prepares us to fight his battles with him, him fighting our battles for us. Do you guys see that? Beautiful insight into what you and I should be doing every day. Thinking it well, staying close to God in the humility of our weaknesses, and letting godly fear attach you to God until he gives you breakthrough. And don't be distracted by other things. We've already learned that God can win the war by few or by many. He's not desperate for you or me. He wants you on his team, he has an assignment for you. But if you don't come, somebody else is coming. Even right now, they're coming. Because that's the way he's always worked. Am I making some sense? And so, what God will do is train you and I to a course of discipline where we can learn how to think God's thoughts after him and be able to serve him in our generation until he calls us home. And when it's our turn to go home, you know what we'll be able to say? Great things he has done.
1: And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 630. Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 630. Directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan.